So this is the sound of howler monkeys. If you've never been in the jungle, I highly suggest it because it's kind of hilarious. I got up in the middle of the night. Uh, well, maybe not the middle of the night. Let's call it 5 a.m., which is, I don't know, it's the middle of the night for me. I don't know if it's middle of the night for these fucking guys that you're hearing in the background, but uh, it's 5 a.m. It's completely dark outside. And these crazy things are just going nuts. They do this every day, every day of their lives. Even like in the afternoon, they're making this noise. I don't know when they sleep, but uh, I don't know. I just wanted to share this incredible audio with you. The Howler Monkey. Okay, there's a podcast coming, I promise. Here it is. Be good. Chicas, thank you for tuning into the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. We are currently in Chiapas, Mexico, outside of the um, incredible ruins of Palenque. It almost feels weird to call it ruins because it is an absolutely beautiful thing to witness. All these incredible ancient structures of Mayan origin. Uh, we walked there from our campground. We're surrounded by howler monkeys. There's spider monkeys. There's crazy birds and snakes and weird shit everywhere. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. We're very fortunate to be here. Just yesterday, we were in some ruins that we had to take a boat to get to, um, and there was not a soul there but us and the guys who ran the place. was like two guys with no shirts on and another dude with a weed eater, and uh, no one, no other tourists were there the whole time we were there. We even got to bring the dog with us and we toured this ancient uh, Mayan settlement called Yaxilan. It was it was staggering. We're going to put up pictures uh, on, I guess, our social media and on our website, mtp.dog. Yeah, it's it's good here. We like it. We feel very fortunate to, uh, to be seeing these places and to be meeting the sort of folks that we're meeting, like our guest today. I'm going to tell you about him in just a minute. Um, but before I do that, I want to say, if you're interested in supporting this podcast, which um, is very easy, I just want you to know that you're already doing it. Just by hearing these words, you're supporting. Uh, if you want to take it a step further, you can leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. It's super duper easy. You've almost already done it, and you haven't even begun. If you want to take it all the way and just knock this thing out of the park, you can go to patreon.com forward slash monkeytooth podcast, I think. Uh, and you can donate. Uh, donate's a weird word. You can just kind of dial in for a buck a month or more if you've got money or nothing because it's just free and we like doing it. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way to support. But those reviews, I don't know, they, they make me feel nice. It's for my ego. Maybe it's for uh, some sort of algorithm to help us get out there. And maybe it's for you to practice uh, writing English words or Spanish words or Korean words, or whatever you want to write. Okay, um, I want to tell you about our guest. This guy, he's a journalist. He's an explorer. He's got a really cool big old dog, and a beautiful girlfriend, and a super cool van that he is traveling from Alaska to Argentina in. His name is Gerardo Moyano, and he's from Argentina. But he's, uh, he's so much more than everything I just told you. He's just a sensitive, inquisitive, and smart guy who um, I'm going to tell a story right now, and it's very important that you understand that uh, there's no good guy or bad guy here. We didn't talk about this on the podcast uh, just because I didn't want to make him feel weird, but I got to tell you this story. The day that I that we met, 
Gerardo, uh, we went on a walk with him and his, his couple from Germany and all of our dogs. And it was beautiful. And on the walk, Pele nearly drowns in this river. He like jumped in and was trying to get a stick and he got swept up in this little eddy. He did it twice because he's just a kind of a fucker. <laughs> but it was fine. He was totally okay. I got him out of the river both times. He was okay. But cut to a few hours later, we're all hanging out in this common area at this campground. And uh, I'm trying to start a fire with some firewood that is moist, to say the least. It's a very wet time of year. And this wood was just taking its time getting uh, in flames. I'm sorry, this is such a crazy story. So uh, Gerardo, this very uh, helpful guy, decides to um, procure some gasoline from a tank and put it by little measured cup capfuls into the fire. And it was working pretty well. And he was being, insofar as you can be, careful uh, when you have literal gasoline on a fire. But he was trying. And uh, as it happens, when you throw gasoline on a fire, um, the unexpected, the incredibly obvious unexpected thing happens and it gets out of control and it happens fucking fast, man. Of course, the fire leapt from the fireplace onto the mantle and then near the can, the actual gas can that had, you know, maybe a couple liters of gas in it. And that spilled over and suddenly all kinds of shit is on fire. People are running for their lives. Um, and in this chaos, like suddenly time started to move very slowly for me. I saw my dog on fire. Poor Pele, who had just a few hours earlier been drowning, was now literally on fire. And so I ran to him and I was trying to get, someone was kicking the fuel can out of the door to try to keep the place from burning down. But it was splashing fuel, flaming fuel everywhere. There was a lady on fire. Uh, and I felt this like bizarre feeling of total impotence. I could not stop any of it from happening. I couldn't get a hold of Pele. I couldn't get the guy to stop kicking the can. I couldn't put the lady out. I did nothing. I just sort of ran, <laughs> ran towards trouble and solved zero problems. And uh, as crazy as all this sounds, everybody was fine. Pele lost a little bit of hair. He could have had, he had extra to lose. It was fine. There was another dog that lost a little bit of hair. He was fine. The lady's pants that caught on fire were fine. Nothing happened. It was just this crazy, chaotic moment. And I got to say, I'm like kind of grateful for that moment in a way because it reminds me of how little I can do about the unfolding chaos that is this world. <laughs> We're just very fortunate to not have only moments like those, that those are brief flashes in the pan for, for my life and for my wife's life and for Bailey's life, although it happens a bit more often for that poor little fucker than it does for most creatures, but we're still pretty lucky. And um, I want you to know that Gerardo in that whole ordeal uh, was doing his level best to correct for the crazy uh, mistake. And that's all it is, a mistake. He's not a bad guy, not a good guy. He's just a guy. And uh, he made a mistake. And I don't want you to hold it against him in this podcast because uh, we recorded this two days after the fire incident. And it kind of made me like him more because I sort of admire this guy and I see him as this sort of really smart, uh, relaxed, funny guy. And even he has the capacity to fuck up. And uh, I don't know, it made him, made me like him. So yeah, there's that long story. Here's a long intro to what I hope uh, you will find to be an entertaining podcast with a super charming, uh, fun guy. And I hope your life is devoid of um, escaping fires or drowning companions and that it's full of fun and interesting things and that when chaos strikes you maybe fare a little bit uh, more successfully than I did. I love you so much even though I may or may not know you. Until next time, enjoy this conversation with our new pal. 
Gerardo Moyano. Is it a Spanish name? Yeah, Moyano? yeah Spanish. Spanish from Spain. Are uh, both your folks from Spain? No, I, well, my my mommy has like Italian uh, ancestors. That's cool. Tamagnini. I don't know. I don't know. It's like three or four generations before. Yeah. Argentina, I mean, in Argentina, we all are like descendants from Europeans. Europeans. Yeah. <laughs> same. Yeah. Same. Well, everywhere, yeah. But. Yeah. So uh, you, you grew up in Argentina. Where? Argentina in Cordoba. It's, uh, Cordoba. In the center of the country, yes. Pretty boring town. Like uh, yeah. 70,000 people town in the middle of nowhere, like <laughs> fields and cows and you know now it's soybeans all over all, yeah, all around like yeah. Monsanto and Bayer I kind of like Missouri I don't know about Tennessee but kind of like Missouri or something yeah, like that no it's exactly the same exactly the same bigger towns less space but yeah I mean same deal you know? yeah so um, growing up in a place like that were you, did your parents travel? Did you guys get around the country much? No, no, I'm the only one in the family like traveling. Really? Yeah, my brother, I have a brother like he's a year younger than me. He say he will never leave the town, you know, yeah. he will stay there. My my other brothers and sisters, they just move around there. So they're from there. I'm the only one that, that got they just escape. How many of you are there? I have two brothers and one sister and a lot of nephews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that story. <laughs> Lots of nephews and nieces. So um, what are your folks? What did they do? My my parents, uh -huh. yeah, well, no, now they're like retired. My my dad worked in a killing horses all his life in a horse factory there. It was the big, uh, yeah, yeah, no, for meat. They were exporting meat to Japan, I guess, something for like that. Horse. So he, he just spent like 30 years like killing horses. Oh, <laughs> That's how work shit. he did. Wow. And then keep working. Like, after the, the factory closed, he kept working in like really tough jobs like... Uh, I don't know how you say in English, like melting. I don't like know. Iron, the, iron work. Uh, yeah, iron work and stuff. Like yeah. really hard. Yeah. Actually, it was kind of hard to to force him to stop working. He was like, yeah, yeah, seventeen. He was still working. Still doing. Uh, yeah. So, wow. You know. What is he doing now? Is he actually relaxing? No, no. He has. Well, he should be relaxing, but he was doing something like climbing the roof or. Yeah. Doing something, you know, I and think he got <clears throat> he got Parkinson now, but he's doing he's doing good. Like uh, they have a controller with the medicines. I suppose we try to make him smoke, <laughs> but he wanted to see if, he, if that works. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Resistant. He's doing good. Is he uh, resistant to the yeah. marijuana? Well, no, he tried once, but uh, we should find some like uh, oil for him, you yeah, know, yeah. like the CVD. That's the. How is it in Argentina? Is it like are they politically really against marijuana? Is it mm, sort of? Well, now now there's a big debate uh, about like legalizing, especially mm. for medicines, you know, because there's a lot of these cases. Yeah. Uh, they help with the epilepsy or some other disease, and they they need to get this and. Yeah, the I don't know, like just like trials and take it to the justice to see if they can get some. So right. there's a movement, like I suppose everywhere. Everywhere, uh, it's been the same in Mexico. Seeing that, yeah, Mexico is actually is really close. Yeah. The, there are five guys that they can be, they can grow, right? They can grow and sell and smoke because they yeah. took it to the like Supreme Court. Yeah. Actually, they ask permissions for some, uh, you know, dependency of the government. They say no, 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 no. So they take it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court say that. Yeah, you can do whatever you want with your time, you know. Yeah. It's recreational, so what you do inside your house should, yeah. Shouldn't be anybody yeah. else's oh, business. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, shifting gears back to yeah. your family, what does your mom do? Or what did no, she do? She was always like, she worked a little bit, <clears throat> like, uh, I don't know, cleaning houses uh, and stuff, but she was main like uh, the woman of the house, yeah. you know. So I'm trying, the reason I'm asking you all these yeah. <laughs> personal questions, because you are, uh, it sounds kind of almost nothing like your family as far as like work and travel are concerned, because your work is very adventurous, 
perhaps dangerous. Uh, and you and you travel everywhere. It sounds like you've been all over the world. Yeah, traveling. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have the the other day. I found a I found a letter that I wrote to myself when I was like I don't know twenty years or something. Uh, I wrote to myself like to my adult person, wow. <laughs> adult me, saying I I hope you can, I hope when you read this you you accomplish half of the things that you wanted to do and one of the those things was traveling That's great. and at least at that point i can say that i did yeah you've definitely traveled yeah <laughs> so I'll, I'll get to your work you're a journalist i'm a journalist and uh not just f- for money <laughs> you seem to do it for pleasure as well i mean your trip yeah, well, it depends. I have a, I mean, for my work, I have a steady job with the magazine, like politics uh, here in Mexico. And it's not kind of inspiring anymore, like to write about all the same shit mm-hmm. all the time. But it, it let me, it helped me to keep traveling. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I read a couple of your articles, man, and I kind of like, and I don't know if this is just coming through Google Translate. Or if this is just your style, but there's like a no bullshit style when you're writing about like the, uh, what was it, the ICE or IEC, you know, talking about like economic decisions around the world and how it's impacting things. You're not mincing words. Uh, You're not having to, uh, you're writing sort of editorial opinion style pieces, researching and, and, and giving editorial. So you can be a little bit more free, but it seems like you're just cutting straight into it like hey this is homogenous and bullshit and wrong and <laughs> yeah i mean yeah for my work it's kind of like <clears throat> sorry it's kind of like uh i i wouldn't say independent but it's a it's a magazine that is open to everyone that who wants to to say something so we try to balance a little bit there's not like we were talking like a like objective uh, journalism but yeah i don't know yeah, you were saying that doesn't exist. There's no such thing anymore. No, no, because from the first minute you sit there, you have an idea what you will, what you will write. Well, what you can do is like trying to find the balance and don't forget about the other part. But right. uh, yeah, it's not like objective journalism. Right. Yeah. Well, to, to balance like what you're writing for this particular magazine, uh, the Cuatro uh, Espacio Cuatro. Espacio Cuatro. Um, which is, you know, it's serious. It's like serious writing. You're writing about Greta Thornburg. You're writing about political movements. Um, and you're doing that in a climate. I just, I read that article you were telling me about. It. Mexico surpassed Syria as the most dangerous country in the world for journalists. It is. It is. It's sad. I mean, I I don't feel threat because I, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> so I'm traveling. So they will have to find me i guess but yeah we try to don't mention this there's a wave of like auto censorship now mm-hmm. because you know with all the violence some some of the newspaper that were attacked they they stop uh, writing these kind of articles and yeah also for bloggers it's not just for like a uh, formal journalism right. bloggers too and yeah it's it's kind of sad, and the, the the thing is, it's not just the the violence related. Well, it is related with the narco, sure. but they are not just the narco. Like f- f- half, like fifty percent of the aggressions against journalists uh, are from government, like uh, from authorities. You know, right? The, of course, they are like in association with the narco and stuff. But yeah, well, it's and. Sad. Part of I've listened to uh, some of what Obrador, the president, El Presidente, mm-hmm. is saying, and it's similar to what's happening in my country, where there's this antagonistic relationship between the press and politics, and and, the, and particularly the president. And yeah, I think says, that will be the only point that you can compare AMLO <laughs> with, uh, with yeah, Trump, Obrador yeah. with Trump. But, uh, but he, you know, he's got kind of a contentious relationship, and he says shit like in these press meetings. It's kind of like. Yeah, you guys are sort of the enemy of the government in a way. I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting what he's saying, but like, it seems like there's a kind of creating a weird atmosphere for journalists. Yeah, no, it's true, it's true. Uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the guy, Attitude. but yeah, he's, he's, he's making a mistake there because he's like, I don't know. 
the thing he he changed the way like uh, the government communicates so he cut uh, like uh, 50% of the of the investment in publicity like official publicity but he doesn't need it because every day he wake up at five, six, yeah, uh, he give a conference, talking. like two hours conference, yeah. kind of like a content conference because, you know, you have to ha have the permission to go there and stuff. But yeah, he's attacking. Now I'm writing another article. He just attacked an organization that, that do some research about uh, corruption here in Mexico. Actually, mm -hmm. the big fish that this government catch, it was related with one of these investigations. You know, it was journalism. Like, there are some associations that are funding journalists trying to change the things, you know. So he now attacked this organization that is against corruption, but he attacked them because they, they are putting some obstacles for the new airport in Mexico City that was a big mess. Right. And yeah, yeah, I think he's making a mistake there. It just seems to me if your agenda is going to be anti-corruption, there is nothing more valuable to an anti-corruption agenda than journalists. Because well, yeah. they should... They, I mean, talk about not being objective. For sure, uh, the objective of a journalist is to catch you doing shit. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, yeah. The, to uncover things and to expose and to. So, if you want someone to, you know, if you if you're really trying, if you're genuinely trying to get underneath and find out what's corrupt and what's not. Journalists are your friends, you know, that, or, or at yeah, least you want to support exactly, what they're doing. Exactly. Actually, you don't have to do a, like a like a big deep uh, investigation. It's like a, you have just to go there, take the documents, and see what is going on. And right. sometimes it's like, yeah, it's like always money. Scary, it's all, yeah. I mean, always money and some influential shit. So, and, and I don't want to bog you down because I know this is like your work, and you don't want to just sit here and talk it's about okay. your work. But uh, I, I have a tremendous respect for journalists uh, just because I, I like the work I, I derive like a lot of pleasure from reading you know newspaper articles and for seeing television journalists but I also um, in particular in Mexico uh, the shit that you have to deal with on our side of the border and you're someone who's traveled on that side of the border is kind of nuts I mean you, you to report honestly on things happening in Mexico, and particularly for you, your your magazine's based in the north, a little mm -hmm. bit closer to the border. Yeah, you have to deal with a lot. Of, you see what is happening in your country as a result of what our country's doing. Yep, the pressure that we've put on people at the border, uh, the weird bullshit, the terrible drug laws in my country, which make weird things possible in your country. Where? How, I mean, I know you've been doing this for a long time. You've been a journalist, what, like 10, 15 years or something like that. Yeah. Like, how do you not just say, fuck it, I, I don't care anymore? Like, because you, I know you're saying you're a little bit jaded at this point, but you still care. Like, you still write the articles, you still do the research. Like, it, how do you, how have you not gotten completely jaded? What keeps you interested in writing, I think uh, I think he's my boss. He's kind of uh, the inspiration. He has like forty years writing, and every time he he get a subject, and all the all of his articles are <clears throat> super well writing, and he cares, you know, and it kind of inspired me. But it's difficult. I mean, uh, we are a small magazine. We don't have a. I don't know, he's old-fashioned, my boss is old-fashioned, so the website is awful and uh, there's no, like, uh, uh, you know, optimizations for for searching and, and right. stuff. So, I don't know. Now I see I have more faith in, like, in social media and bloggers, independent people who is doing what you're doing, you know. Mm. Now you have the opportunity to share what you what you think, and yeah, have more faith on that kind of yeah. journalism, like the like the traditional one. But you still have faith in journalism, period. You know that that like to continue. It just seems like like cleaning a house that has like a muddy river running through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. And no matter what you clean, no matter what you uncover, what you discover, it's just like 
there's another layer of shit underneath yeah it. yeah and that's the other part that you can be part of that shit too because maybe you think you're doing something good and yeah. then you end up being part of some other's agenda so yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of <laughs> discouraging but yeah i don't know People, uh, I don't know, silence, it was never my language, so I can <laughs> shut up, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Been on this kind of crazy long uh it's t- technically alaska to argentina but you keep going from mexico to alaska and down and like <laughs> yeah well this 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 was kind of like i travel a lot before on the other side of the of the ocean and for i don't know i don't know six seven years or something traveling around asia and europe and stuff and then i say okay now I I travel enough as a tourist, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something. And because of uh, I like journalism, but I don't like too much of what, what I'm writing. I decided to do some kind of positive journalism, and I don't know travel with a purpose. And I and the purpose is to find people who is doing something good for their communities and and to share the stories. That was the point. And still doing it. I mean, I travel, like, relax and stay in places. More than traveling, it's like staying. You know, I spend more time in places that that on the road. So Yeah. Yeah. That's the best kind of traveling. It's just like you're barely traveling, but you're mostly staying. I like yeah, that. Exactly. But so you put together, like, a team of people. To yeah, yeah. I started, I started this trip with a really close friend, Emma. Uh, she studied journalism even if I <laughs> advised her not to do it mm. she studied journalism and uh, so we, we we took this 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 project together we we imagined this project together so we went to we went to Alaska and then after Alaska I mean it was like a huge trip from here from San Cristobal from Chiapas up to Alaska and after that, she get into a relationship. She had a baby, so wow. from Alaska till here, well, not till California, I did it by myself. And then some other people is joining, and so yeah. just keep, just keep traveling, and the the crew is changing. Yeah, well, you've done a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, you, your exploration into New Orleans, a place which I hold near and dear, was really cool to see. That's that's the one thing I really like about the traveling journalist is that you come into a situation where you're a stranger and you bring uh, something other than objectivity. It's like a whole other sense. Well, that's a lot. I mean, when we start the journey, we, we stop in the... I mean... And we don't have a like a itinerary. We don't yeah. we don't decide where we go. But some some of this project or some story that it sounds interesting, it, it, it lead us there. So yeah, in the beginning, this community in Veracruz in Espinal, that they have their own currency system. They have their own currency. And uh, that was the that was like uh, for starting the trip and, and seeing that you can make the change and they they confront with the Bank of Mexico and the government and they still doing it and kind of another economy. And then, you know, a doctor that is against the pharmaceuticals and and then some other people doing some, uh, I don't know. Eco eco projects uh, to save the to save the beaches in the in in Oaxaca. Uh, I don't know, you know, all these kind of projects that 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 it keep you. I mean, I feel ashamed because I'm a journalist and I cannot change things really. And because what we were talking, uh, uh, maybe you cannot do a real change, but we're still trying. But I like to meet the people who is doing it, uh, maybe on a, a smaller scale, but they're doing it and, you know, that's inspiration for me. I know I am some kind of inspiration for some other people, like, you know, 
when you're traveling, people look at you, they open the doors of the house, they want to listen because they they want to be part of your trips or you're doing something that they would like to do. That's kind of my fuel. But at the same time, I get, you know, I feed from from the good things that they are doing. So, yeah. There was one project that I really liked of yours, the uh, Natural Birth documentary uh, yeah. thing that you guys filmed. Because you've got, that's another component to what you're doing. You've got like a YouTube channel and all these little mini documentaries that you've made. But that one was really cool. And I don't speak enough Spanish to totally get what's going on, but I get the gist. And like um, the narrative, the story that we're told about birth. Well, this is, this, this was Emma, yeah, my friend. She get into it and, you know, I helped her with the yeah, editing and the interviews and stuff, but it was her idea. And uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, here in Latin America, like the C-sections and the industry of uh, medicine is, is so cruel that, yeah, yeah, we decided to do something. And that that documentary was, I mean, of course, we we are in favor of natural ch- uh, childbirth, but at the same time, we we present the other, you know, the other, right. so to inform people, you know, you have sure. this chance to do this, these things, don't let them decide f- for you. Yeah. And it was kind of, I don't know, uh, uh, it was nice, like the documentary went well, there's a lot of views, they asked to share it in in Europe uh, and stuff. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know, it's sad to say, but, one of the the la, one of the last images is about a childbirth, you know, natural childbirth in water, and then this baby for some house for some reason died, the the baby that is there in the documentary, and it was like uh, you know before to launch the documentary we asked the mom you know if we can if we can use those images, and she said yes because she was glad to you know to share this with. Uh, with other people, so I don't know. I I, I, I don't know, but <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a huge problem here. Like women go here to when they're pregnant, and probably we, they they will end up in a in a surgery room, and because they don't know they don't know what other options they have. So yeah, we speak with doctors saying that you know actually in a C-section in the hospital you have more chances to to get something yeah. some virus or something that uh, that you can do at home but it's it's kind of complex uh, subject and it's not like we're saying hey go to your place and have a baby there <laughs> actually you can do it if this is a normal it's sure, a normal sure. pregnancy and stuff but you know at least to to have some information some more information about it that's why it's like a half hour thing and not just like two paragraphs you know what I mean? like <laughs> yeah. it's a subtle argument it, you have to like lay out the whole story and tell both sides and explain like yeah look there are other ways to do this there are dangers there's upsides downsides yeah yeah and there's a, there's these people here actually in San Cristobal Luna Maya is a house of childbirth and they have these some some of there are like scientific theories and some of them like the not so scientific but it's, uh, they basically say that everything started or how you how you were born you know <laughs> so if it's shocking if it's uh, if it's in a room and they kick you and they, <laughs> they catch you from your mother right away and stuff right, right. that probably will have some effects not just in your personal life but at, at social level too yeah. you know like i mean everything from like that moment imprinting in your memory to like you know uh your microbiome being affected by coming from a vagina versus from the belly like there's a there are things that happen down there yeah yeah yeah, that yeah are very important. immunity yeah immunity for, very important the same with the milk of the mother and don't cut the, the i don't know how you say in english the the core the, the core yeah right. right away because you know you, you need to be there and nutrients yeah and then the funny thing is that Emma, that was the director of the documentary, then she got pregnant. Oh, wow. So I was, uh, I traveled to her. She was in Mexico City, and 
you know, it was kind of long and painful <laughs> uh, labor, you know, oh. like 72 hours and stuff. Oh, and I, I, and at the end, she had like the like the bath, like the water in the bath. She didn't want to go in. She went in out. It, it was crazy, painful for her. And at the end, we end up in the hospital. It was uh, it was natural. Uh, it was not C-section, but she had to get like some painkillers oh, because she was like suffering. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, but that's that's the scene, you know. You try to do it uh, as natural as you can, mm -hmm. but you always have your backup plan just right. in case things go to the outside and you yeah. can know. It's not like, you know, just go there and see what happens. No? <laughs> you have a... Light some incense, get in a bathtub, have a baby. It's real easy. <laughs> What's crazy to me, like, we're talking about these things, like living, being born. People have been doing that as long as there have been people. Uh, dealing with storms or dealing with, like, tragedies or, uh, you know, getting sick. These are all things that we've had to deal with the entirety of human history, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of human development. And we still don't know what the fuck we're doing or how to do it or what's the best way and it's really kind of exciting like you were saying to me yesterday the other day when we were walking here like i get to have a lot of jobs you get to try as a journalist you get to learn you're never going to be the master of a thing that's going to make you rich but you're going to get to to try many many things and learn all this shit so it's like an exciting thing to see how <laughs> We're still figuring out how to make babies come into the world. Yeah, we're still yep. trying to figure out how to deal with a disaster. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, there are difference between nations. Uh, in Canada, for example, you have uh, uh, how you say the uh, because uh, Madrona, like the like the um, how is the name of the woman the that midwife I, with the midwife you yeah. know in the hospital they have midwife mm -hmm. there so she's with you all the pregnancy she will help you she will know because here is like you go to doctor every i don't know three months to check and that's it the doctor doesn't know how you're doing yeah, how you're doing <laughs> you know so yeah there's, there's this difference and it's kind of sad but Mexico is so close to U.S. that it's taking some practices like medicine is going there, education is going there, like uh, economic, like even like jail is going private. And private they, jails here? Yeah. Oh, so, fuck, I'm sorry. So, so yeah, yeah, you, we are so close to the United yeah. States. Someone say so close to United States, so far from God. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, man. That's a uh, that's kind of a bummer to hear. Have you uh, have you done any stories about death or about like grieving or that sort of thing? Have you have you been in that realm? You've, you've done research on the birth. You're obviously you know involved in people's lives. Have you had anything to do with people's deaths or how death is handled around the world? No, 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 not really. Like a, like a study, but. Man, I I met uh, I met some really nice people and in, in, in my trip that they're gone now, mm -hmm. and it, it kind of put me thinking. You know, I have the in Alaska, we met this uh, like a road tracker, like ice road tracker uh, in Alaska, and he was kind of like a father for us. He he opened the house and let us live there, and I fixed my bus there, and then we continued together like. Uh, uh, you know, writing all the time, share, he was sharing me the, because he knows I love Alaska. He was sharing like the northern lights and the yeah. pictures of the landscape and everything. And and one day, one turn, like wrong turn, and he's gone. And he puts you sink. And then my mechanic too, from Saltillo, the one that he teach me all the things that I know about uh, Volkswagen, he's gone too. And well, he put you, he put you sink. You know. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I will take that subject for. The, <laughs> I guess it's kind of dark. But. Yeah, it's dark. I, mean, I think about it a lot. I mean, I. I yeah, yeah. I, you told me it's part of. Uh, <laughs> it's part of the thing. I think it has a lot to do with like how I was raised. My mom is a hospice nurse and has been around it a lot. But it's one of those subjects like. Uh, 
I, I don't know that we're doing it right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I mean, like your friend that passed, I mean, that was a sudden thing. Suddenly he's just gone. Yeah. You know, that you can't prepare for. There's nothing you can do. You're just, your time is up. But that, that like, the fuss around getting ill and how we handle all that sort of stuff and the pills we throw at it and the the crazy time in the hospital and the family worry and all this shit. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just seems like it's another thing that we still haven't figured out. We don't know how to make new people. We don't know how to eat. See all these crazy diets yeah, and all this yeah, it's bullshit. Kind of, yes, yeah, it's, it's ironic because from one side you have all this technology that you can apply to medicine and then you have the knowledge to know what you should be eating and yeah. how you sh- your life should be and somehow society is pushing you to, to the other side. And not only that, I mean, what you will see if you're still here in Mexico, like the day of the, day of the death, yeah. uh, November 2, um, is how we we face that after you know too you know here is kind of a celebration and then you go to the grave and the cemetery and you bring tequilas and some mariachi and you do a, you throw a big party uh, and you know in western civilization is more like grieving and like crying in dark and black so yeah it's different approach also yeah I kind of like I mean, having lived in New Orleans, that's the celebration. That's the way they yeah, handle it there. You know, it's there's not quite the Day of the Dead thing, but there's like a celebration of the dead when that happens. The after, you know, it's not like a party every day, like, ooh, you're still dead. All right. You know, but <laughs> uh, but there's, you know, the, that at least that initial dealing with death is a little bit more celebratory than just like totally sad, you know. That's... Um, that's probably a leftover from the Spanish and French culture. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. You will not know because you will be dead. Yeah. That is, that is something for the ones that are they're still here and yeah. to honor this this person. But for what he was in life and not, uh, you know, in dead. Polo Apollo. Polo Apollo. Polo Apollo. And you've yeah, that's not chicken to chicken. Yeah. No pollo apollo. That actually could be the name of our journey because I eat a lot. So chicken, <laughs> I'm just moving from chicken to chicken. <laughs> Rename our podcast at the end of this. But um, you're so that journey, you're in because the van that I see out here is not the same as the van that's on your website. It's the same one, it's just how the, the graphics painting, yeah, oh, okay. painting job. So you've driven that thing 20,000 plus miles, Alaska, <laughs> from here to Alaska, yeah. back down, and you're eventually heading south to Argentina yeah. to go back and be with your family. Yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Sometimes I, because before starting the trip, I took a look at my old Volkswagen bus, like 77, uh, and I asked her, are you, are you going to take me to Alaska? Because it was, was kind of my dream. So I said, you going to take me to Alaska? And then I just realized that I took her to Alaska. <laughs> she didn't take me. I took her. I forced her <laughs> to go to Alaska. And I yeah. changed the scenes that she needs to. Actually, it's improving. Like every day is mm-hmm. improving something, something new. But and because of the... Because of the, you know, the little problems that I have, because I didn't have any, like, huge problem, like, full engine or something, but it always happens something, you know, with an old engine. And because of this, I met, like, uh, the the most incredible people around the, around the trip. And, you Some know, it was things. a Volkswagen bus all covered with graphic and stuff. So if we, st- if we stop in some place, even if we are not having any problem or something, people will stop and they will invite us to their places. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sometimes we stop in near to Sistone, Missouri in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and I have this problem with the with the bus and I say yeah come 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 home I have place I have tools and whatever so we went there and, and we start to fix the the bus and they say no leave it leave it there let's go to the Mississippi River and they go fishing they want to show you 
their yeah. culture and uh, yeah and I still have friends because of that you know because something happened to the to to my bus so yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy I never want anything bad to happen to this we're in my van right now <laughs> yeah, I, want everything, nice. I want everything to be this. okay but like every time something goes wrong with this thing I make a new friend yeah it's true every time it's true every time we uh just even being here at this campground the guy next to us is uh such an incredibly helpful dude he saw me working on stuff he and he's the very first person to actually work on something inside this van other than me <laughs> and he's brilliant like you've seen his truck it's like this huge yeah, yeah. germans germans yeah and he built he built all that by hand which is amazing but he came in here and was like oh yeah here's how we do this and he like Gave and me he the, has all the tools, all and, the tools. and he will do it right. Totally <laughs> he will right. do it right, take the time. Actually, we pulled down his uh, uh, transmission of this huge man, man truck. Yeah. And it was like 800 kilos or something, and he put it down, and he make all the... all the... all the calculations, you know, all the tools before he, he say... He spent more time thinking about it and yeah. preparing all the scenes than doing the real job. And yeah. that's not the way he, he, he goes here in Mexico. No. No. <laughs> if something is broken, we say, take it off, take it off. There's no problem. Yeah, uh, yeah it's kind of the, the different of the culture. And that's why I learned so much in U.S. and Canada because I couldn't afford to go to the shop. It was like... Yeah. $25 an hour or something just to check what is going on. So, you know, YouTube, uh, manuals, and uh, all yeah. stuff. And it's like a Volkswagen, you know, it's, uh, it's not so difficult. It's just gas right. and electricity. <laughs> and right. The metal, so long as the metal doesn't break, it still works. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's the thing about travel in this way that you're um, exposing yourself as vulnerable. You know, you're like, okay, look, I, I live in a van. It's mostly empty space. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really have a lot of shit here. Uh, this thing's old. It can break. And, yeah. you know, people can get in this thing and steal from you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's just you are really vulnerable. And I think that um, like the kind of people that you want to meet appreciate that sort of thing. They just see you as like this guy out there traveling. And they're, they open up their homes. They open up themselves. And it's a beautiful thing, a beautiful way to expose the kindness that you have inside of you to other people and to give other people an opportunity to expose their kindness to you yeah. it's my favorite thing yeah yeah that's that's, that's the nice part about traveling you know the people that you meet in the in the way because it's not it's not about places it's just because yeah, the place can be beautiful and something but if you have a bad experience there it will be in your memories of something that it was not good and so people people can make the difference yeah and even man like when our dog got bit by that rattlesnake i thought for sure he was gonna die man i just like was so bummed out and if i think really hard about that time i can remember myself being anxious and all this but when i just kind of casually uh gloss over touch the memory i think about the vet who helped us and how cool she was and about some of the people that we met while we were there who were so understanding and like I remember how interesting the doctor was you know the the guy who owned the the veterinarian office and I, I remember all this ancillary shit that at the time all I could focus on was like the sadness and you know how my little guy was going to do he was going to make it but when I look back on it the memory's not nearly that bad do you know what I mean it's like, like it, your your mind plays this weird game or tells you a better story <laughs> once yeah. you get away from the trauma and you're like oh that actually wasn't so bad and that's what it gives me hopes, you know, because you asked me the other day, you know, after all the, all this time trying, 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 you you can get frustrated, but it's the people, you know, it's just people because there's good people all around, you know, war is a mess and, you know, at the big scale it's a mess because politicians are not... Uh, uh, well educated. I mean, they they're just politicians. They don't know what they're doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's just about lying and uh, getting some interesting. But the people, man, uh, people uh, people wants to. Uh, there's good people all around, you know. And that's why I have some hope, you know. It will take long. Uh, it will take long. Like social changes take. 
takes time. Right, right. I hope it will not be too late. But no, no, I have some hope. I have some hope, especially in young people. Yeah, yeah. man, it's really... Um, I've met other journalists that are not nearly as hopeful a guy as you are. I mean, you, I know you're a little bit jaded, but that's normal. I think that's just no matter what you were doing, if you know, we're about the same age. I think <laughs> the clock is ticking on the amount yeah. of jadedness. <laughs> yeah, about, about the energy that you can put to, you know, because it's like anything. Like the, what we were saying, if you try so hard one thing in your life you will get frustrated because maybe the results will not be the thing, the ones right. that you were expecting and then you realize that you spend too much time in this and then you you miss some other some other things of life but yeah i don't know i'm in the journalism i don't have any faith in the traditional journalism but i see i see a lot of people using like the like the new tools that technology give you mm-hmm. to i know to put people together and to create community to create conscience so yeah i think yeah i i have my dark i i got my dark stage at <laughs> i don't know like nine years uh, Ago that I was ready, you know, for revolution, and I was. It was. It was kind of a time that, you know, it was occupy Wall Street and then occupy New York and Spain, and I've been in in in, in massive protests in even in Budapest and stuff. It was this and like the Arab Spring too. It was mm-hmm. this this kind of like. A feeling the scenes were finally changing and the people was taking power and then you know after a while it started to cool down but yeah then I realized that it's not a, it's not a, maybe you can push a, a, on a on a violence level or you can make you hear but at the end is what you do in your own little circle and yeah. what the people does in their own little circle because you can go there and protest and, and do whatever you want but at the same time if you're not uh, like consequent with what you do in your life uh, and that's what we were talking and you say something that it, it, it kept in my mind you know it's all about food so it's all about right. how we eat <laughs> at the end so everything you know, starts with food it's a, yeah it's a complex uh, it's a complex subject it's very complex man at, I mean you can occupy Wall Street but eventually you gotta occupy your house you gotta go home exactly and that's the place that really needs you that's the place and I that I recognize the irony of me saying that because I'm, I'm not home <laughs> you know I, i'm in this fucking van you know just i'm always at home and never at home right. but but the 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 thing that you've seen and you were just telling me about and i i see the same thing is those people who give a shit about their home and they love it and they want they don't necessarily want to fight for it but they will you yeah. know they'll, they'll they'll do whatever it takes to make sure their home is good and not, I don't mean just like the four walls that keep all their shit dry, but like their, their community, their, their home as in like, this is where I buy groceries and this is where my kid goes to school and this is her friend. And that sort of thing is that, that grander sense of community starts there. And I think you do a really good job. And I want to ask a, a bit of, of highlighting that sort of thing, but you're uh, on your website, you can go to like Spanish, English. There's a few different languages that you can click on. Are you writing in no, those languages? No, I mean, we, we, we find people like uh, volunteers that they want to they want to help us to translate. Like, I mean, because I, even I, if I speak some English, it's not the same when you try to translate something that is yeah. written, you know, because it's not like literally translation because right. you, you want to say something. And we found some people that... Are, uh, they want to. They want to help. They you. do a good job because <laughs> I was like, man, this guy is kicking ass. I mean, you were saying, my my English, uh, and I'm reading this your blog, thinking, man, this guy's fantastic and writing in English. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. we kind of, we kind of, someone help us with the translation, and then we come, we ask a native speaker to mm-hmm. check it, and that's cool. Us, yeah. Well, if you're out there listening and you want to help these guys in their journey. Polo, not Pollo, Polo a Polo, Polo a Polo. Polo, Polo. Polo. Net. Dot net, uh, is 
Uh, it's great, and you got to man, you got to start updating a little bit more. I'm yeah, give you a little know, pressure right here. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I have to, I have to. But, but the idea is there. I mean, I know I'm not updating. I'm not the, like the Instagram guy and stuff. But the I know that at some point because I'm still traveling, I, yeah. I still have to you know manage myself to keep traveling. But yeah. at some point, there will be a story like like put it all together. Now. It would be that. It it seems real. Uh, it's hard to say it out loud that this is work, because I mean, I, right well, now, but it is. Yeah, I mean, it looks like we're just goofing around, and and believe me, I do plenty of goofing around, just walking around cities, yeah, sure. chicken to chicken. It's fine, but there is a, a certain amount of work that you put into this sort of thing, like to to spend the time writing and then yeah, gathering editing it all together, and you know. Yeah. Well, oh, you do it. pictures and everything, and it's a work. And uh, I mean, uh, and for me, I'm a driver, I'm a mechanic, I'm a journalist, <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm a surfer, I'm a dad of a huge dog. And, yeah, you do you have know, a big so ass It does a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work, man, but you do a good job of it. And I'm glad you're out there telling those stories and meeting these people and helping sort of highlight what's uh, what's good. You know, it's not just like reporting the bad news, and it, and you're not looking at it through rose-colored glasses. You're saying like you're not an Instagram guy, which Instagram is very. Uh, it's rare that you see anything that's like fucked up. You yeah. know, <laughs> and if you see something fucked up, it's someone telling it. Oh, woe is me! I've had this. Put this thing. I'm in. A, I'm in a bad mood. My <laughs> mood is whatever. It's like no, no. That's not really a problem. That's just the way you feel. But you're, you know, you're highlighting things that are. They're real. They're real stories yeah, that are just stories, like, here's yeah. what's happening. Here's the problems. Here are the people trying. And, you know, the fact that there was a dead baby at the end of that, that movie. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of hard. But, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's the point. Like, to share the people who has an approach about some problem because you can help some other some other person, uh, you know, in another corner of the world to, to I don't know, to... To get inspired to to do something, to fight or to to solve something that the in their communities too. Uh, th- this is the amazing thing about the uh, social ne- network uh, and this technology that they put people together and there's no like uh, any more space bound- boundaries. So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting concept that we are more of like a connected. We're more of a world now than we've ever been. Is divided and weird and angry. Is all this shit is yeah like, there's a lot of bad shit to do there but it's the, it's a tool i mean it's a tool it's yeah. always a tool it depends on how how you use it but man i remember when when i started study journalism and uh, i don't know there was like i don't know maybe emails or something but i i couldn't i couldn't imagine myself doing this this job like in the old school, like going to library and taking all the newspapers and yeah. you know checking one by one. And now the information is there. If you scratch, that that's the beauty about this technology. That now, if you have a doubt about something, you can go there, and if you really want, you will get the information that you're looking for. If you really want, if you will just scratch the surface and you believe everything that you right, read right. there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be bad. But no, it's uh, people like you asking all these questions and putting it out there for people to read helps in the grand project of learning how to make more people. Which is crazy that we don't totally have that locked down, <laughs> but uh, how people eat and how people die. And those are the three things that we all have yeah. to do. We all, you have to get here. <laughs> you have to eat when you're here and you've got to die. And in between how you figure it all out and what you do is, you know, that's the joy of, of getting it wrong and asking the questions and having fun. And, but that you're out there asking those questions of people and, and telling those stories, I think, is important. Um, and it's perfectly okay for it to be fun. Like, that's the thing. It doesn't have to be this, like, job that you have to do this job and you're, you can have a good time and still do something meaningful and worthwhile. That's the way to go, yes. That's that's for sure. Actually, because there's no, 
there's no i don't know even if you you're looking for a goal that is really is really good you're trying to change the scene you're trying to change the world if you if you're angry and you're putting too much energy on this and you're frustrated then you're losing time and we don't have much time in this life so. that's true so if people want to um connect with you you're on facebook on twitter facebook uh, yeah facebook twitter uh, you know we have a channel that in in youtube that you can see some of our, our videos uh yeah polo polo.net uh polo a polo.net yeah, there you go <laughs> <laughs> or remember chicken to chicken it will be something like that yeah, just, but you have to be dot net even if you're looking in facebook you have to put dot net otherwise it will come up uh, like a comedian in Mexico, really famous, that is called Polo Polo. He's <laughs> <laughs> funny, he's yeah. funny, he's funny, but it's not us. Not you guys. Right on. Okay, well, uh, I'll put up links on our website and we'll we'll shout it to the rooftops that um, we like what you're doing. And uh, I like what you're doing, man. It's thanks, important man. that you're doing journalism. Like, this is real journalism. I mean, you're sharing the stories too, what you're seeing in the in the in the way, and then everyone has a story, and everyone can say something, and it will put you to think. And even if it's uh, like a, I don't know of a subject that is not so interesting or whatever, something always come up because yeah. we are humans and we're trying to do good things. I guess that's right. That's right. Well, thanks, man. No, uh, thank you, Jim. Well, um, oh. Is there anything that you want to say to like, I don't know, people in Argentina or in Mexico or like, is there a, a message that you would want to give to people? And feel free, I know you speak, how many languages do you speak? Like, I don't know. Three, three four. four. Feel free to say it, whatever language you choose. But if you want to. No, I mean, just, no, people in general, like, you always, the because every time people ask me, well, you know, they look at you. Uh, traveling and they say oh man I would like to do that I would like to do that I always I think uh, traveling is actually freedom somehow so yeah people desire to be free you know but there is always something and any any small obstacle is a huge obstacle if you are not really decided so the first step is so always difficult but man we're living in a digital nomads world now so and this is this this, this will not change now we are going there it will be less work like manually and more in internet so see hay que dar el primer paso y, y para adelante uh, the 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 world is changing the economy is changing to this side so you can find the way to to do something uh, that it, let, it will let you travel so why not yeah cheers to that gracias <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank <laughs> you.